0: Hello and welcome to our Tuesday evening broadcast of our Gathering Hub. I hope you all had a wonderful, blessed time with your families uh, over the Christmas holidays as we celebrated the birth of our Savior who came, left Heaven's glory, came to a stable to be born and save our souls. Let's pray and we'll get into our lesson for tonight. God, I thank you for each and every person who's listening tonight or in the future. I thank you for the lives that you have changed. And I pray that as we start this new year, you can help us to also make some fresh starts. Help me to speak your word tonight and help us each to listen to what you would have to say. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Our theme for this week, is a fresh start. Very unpredictable, I know. Um, we are wanting to talk about, since it's a new year, people tend to be thinking about new things. So we're going to talk about making a fresh start in our lives. First, I want to start with a couple of scriptures. There are a lot, a lot of scriptures in the Bible about a fresh start because God came to give us a fresh start. When he became a baby in a manger, the purpose was to give us a fresh start. So I selected just a couple of those to start us out tonight. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27, a prophecy telling about how God will give us a fresh start. I will give you a new heart and i will put a new spirit in you i will take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and i will put my spirit in you so here's the reason for that so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations and i would add to that that the reason he wants us to follow his decrees and obey his regulations is because that's how we have our best life. Um, then we come to the New Testament, Romans 12 verse 2. I'm sure you're all familiar with this, but don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Uh, Now, I want to focus on my topic for tonight and my little piece of this fresh start, which is the story of Exodus and how the people coming out of Egypt also had fresh start to make they had a lot of old habits as as the scripture calls them behaviors and customs to break in their in their own lives and we're going to talk about that a bit tonight the other thing that i want to focus on is the fact that changes we make in our lives fresh starts that we put into our lives can and do affect the generations forward. So it's not just about us, it's about our children and our grandchildren and their grandchildren. So the scripture that I want to read related to that is Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. It says, again, this is Exodus. The context is these children of Israel. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations." Now, let me, let me do some math there. Uh, I do some genealogy, as I'll talk about a little bit later, but um, if you're having people who have children pretty young, you can sometimes fit five generations into a 100 years. So if we're talking about a 1000 generations, you do the math on that, and that's about 20,000 years. So God is basically saying that for the sake of one person, he will bless that family for the next 20,000 years, which is longer than we even have records. So he's saying basically forever. He is the God who blesses not only us, but our families for all of time. Then he says, but I, oh, he says, I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected even children in the third and fourth generations. Now, you do the math on that, and that's less than 100 years. So, compared to the 20,000 years or the forever that God blesses our family, he only visits uh, those iniquities onto our third and fourth generation. And I would even say, as we will learn about today, that that isn't a given. And I don't believe this is, a lot of people talk about generational curses and it's it's some kind of supernatural thing. I personally don't think it's that, you know, the curse of God, as much as it is the effects that our lives and our bad habits and our sins and iniquities and rebellions have on the lives of our children, because they do. They, if we're selfish, it affects our children if we are proud, it affects our children and that affects their children. So it it does have this effect that goes on and on. So let's talk about this exodus, this leaving of Egypt. And I'm not going to read all those scriptures because that would be several days. Genesis sets it up and then Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all talk about what happened in that experience. But The people had become slaves in Egypt and they were forced to do labor. Then Moses is born and God sends him back to his people to call them out of slavery and release them to go to a land that they came from hundreds of years before. They were as I said they were slaves and God brought them out with mighty miracles and he he put plagues upon the Egyptians and he parted the waters so that they could cross and he did all these mighty mighty things to get them out of their slavery much as God does mighty mighty things to get us out of our slavery to sin um and so they get Out of Egypt. They get through the Red Sea and they're wandering in the wilderness and God has brought them out and he has provided for them in mighty ways, miraculous ways. And what do they do? They complain. They complain a lot. And the things they complain about, when you put them in the context of slavery, seem kind of silly. They say, take us back to Egypt, at least in Egypt. We had, and here's the list, leeks and garlic. Leeks is kind of an onion in the onion family. So we had onions and garlic and fish and cucumbers and melons. Okay, but you were slaves. You were slaves. You had to do hard labor, building these these grain houses for the Egyptians. But no, you had leeks and garlic. I really doubt they had all the leeks and garlic they even wanted. But this is how we do when, when we look back and we think about the good old days, which weren't always good old days. So they complained a lot. And they said, we had plenty to eat there and you brought us out here to die. And over and over and over, they complained about this and that and Moses wasn't doing right and and they were disgruntled and they complained. And finally they get to Canaan land and they send in spies and 10 of the 12 say, we cannot do this. We are not strong enough, which was true. They were not strong enough, but God was strong enough. But uh, everyone, but Joshua and Caleb said, we can't do this. We want to go back to Egypt. Well, God gets disgusted with them and says, okay, you're not going into Canaan. You're going to wander in the wilderness for the next few decades until all of you who are 20 years, 21 years and older are going to die out here in the desert so that this new generation can uh, do, we'll give them a try. And that's what happens. So the, the descendants, though, were different. You don't see them complaining about, take us back to Egypt take us back, we miss our our leeks and garlic and onions. Um, They made mistakes as well, but they didn't make those mistakes. And I don't want to be too hard on the children of Israel, even though they were kind of knuckleheads. They were slaves. They had all these habits and customs that had been built in over hundreds of years. And they had been taught to not think for themselves. They had been taught not to rely on their own abilities because that was just a recipe for bad things to happen to them. And you, When you're a slave, you don't think for yourself. Uh, you don't survive very long if you do. So I understand that they had a lot of problems and all their old habits and all of what they did every day was totally disrupted. and that can be hard even when we're being pulled out of slavery. So when we come to Jesus, we have a lot of old things that need to pass away. As these things become new, we probably have habits, we have vocabulary, we have addictions, we have family dysfunction, we have poor communication, we have lying to ourselves about what reality is. We have all of these things that have been ingrained in us over a long, long time. And that first generation that comes out of the world, there are some blessings with it, but my goodness, it's tough. And I wanna be real with you guys and say, I my hat's off to you. I was raised in church and I have my own issues and, and there are hard things that come with that as well. But my goodness, what a feat you guys and God do when you come out of the world and you allow God to make all things new. But I know it's hard. And sometimes I've I've heard of people having addictions, especially that they they get up every day and God has chosen not to just deliver them from it they get up every day and they fight that fight and they get tired of it and they think, God, will this ever end? And is it worth it? And all of these things, well, I want to encourage you today. It is worth it. It's worth it for you, but it's also worth it because of those thousands of generations that God is going to bless because of you letting God make you new. So, my point tonight is really keep your chin up and go ahead and put in the work and put in this submission to let God change you. Let God change your heart. Let God change my heart that he can take my life and affect my children and their children and their children's children. I want to end with a personal story. Um, As I said earlier, I like to do genealogy. Uh, It's interesting to me to go back. So it's a combination of history and narrative and personal detective work to me, which is a a fun combination. So I I use Ancestry a lot and I've done some some oral histories, interviewing grandparents and, and such. And tonight I want to tell you a story of my great, great granddad on my mother's side. So this was my mom's mom's dad's dad. His name was William Hurt. His nickname was Big Bill Hurt. He was born in 1831 in Davidson, Tennessee. Davidson County, Tennessee. It's the Nashville area, but I don't think they lived in Nashville. I think they were around there. Uh, before my, my grandmother passed, uh, she she got dementia at the end, and we saw that coming on, and and I wanted to get some stories out of her. So I sat down and interviewed her about her experiences and her family, and she told me about her grandfather, Big Bill Hurt, and he was, again, in Tennessee. This was a long time ago in Tennessee, so even the most developed parts weren't real developed. And When she talks about what he did as an occupation, and I tremble to even say this aloud, but she said his occupation was that he was a slave whipper. This was 18, well, he was born in 1831, so we're talking 1850s, maybe early 1860s. And that was his job. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means he was an overseer, or, or or, exactly what that means, but his occupation was that he was a slave whipper. There are also stories about his wife, who is named Almida, that uh, at least the way the stories are told lead me to think that she had a problem with prejudice as well. My grandmother told me that basically Big Bill didn't think people of African origins were people. He didn't think they were humans, And I guess if you're a slave whipper, you have to justify that in your mind somehow. It's awful. This story just makes me tremble. And I actually hate to talk about it. But I hope it helps you today. So fast forward until Big Bill's son, uh, Thomas moved to Oklahoma in about Somewhere between 1902 and 1904, to a place that my mom grew up called Morris, Oklahoma, and there, sometime in the 1920s, the family became apostolic. They received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name, and probably in those. If you if you know early Pentecost, you know about Arkansas and Oklahoma and tent revivals and brush harbors, and traveling preachers and all of those things that was the context and and my family this would have been my mother's maternal grandfather and his family got into church and i don't know for a fact that it was there that god started turning things around i don't know i talked to my mother this morning i don't know exactly when it was that that god turned things around but i do know that by the time my grandmother came to be she was not racist at all. She, they, they were poor. My mom uh, and her family, anytime you get together those siblings, chances are they'll top, talk about how hard it was to go out and chop cotton. Uh, if you don't know what chopping cotton is, praise the Lord, I don't really either, but evidently it's very hard work picking cotton. And, and, and they would work with, with a lot of the African-American people in their county and lived near some of them out in the country and and the stories i hear are always stories of respect and hard times together but but they were they were kind and they tried to help each other out and and yeah society was a mess and you hear stories of segregation and and my mother actually was in the graduating class of the first african american boy young man to graduate from her high school and some of the boys picked on him and and it was not a perfect society at all. It was bad. This is, uh, you know, you hear about the Tulsa race riots. Those were in the 1920s, I believe. And and it was a bad situation in Oklahoma. Somewhere in there, though, God got a hold of somebody in my family and changed things. And I'm so, so thankful for that. I'm sure it wasn't easy for them. I'm sure they had to make some changes, but back there somewhere, somebody got a revelation that people are people. And um, in in pastoring, helping to pastor Newark, I've said some really stupid things and I've, I've made some mistakes and I've, I've apologized, I, I think, for those, and I cringe when I think about them, but I, would, I didn't have to fight that uphill battle. I had to fight some ignorance. I had to fight some, some bad social habits, some ways of, of speaking of people that I didn't know was disrespectful, and it was, but I didn't have to fight that battle because somebody back there before me fought that battle. And I don't think I could do what I do today and minister to the people that I minister to and experience the love from the people that I experience it from. If God hadn't dealt with somebody, I'm sorry, I didn't plan on crying. If God hadn't dealt with somebody generations back and said, it's time to make a change. So, I would like to encourage you today, tonight, that as you as you um, make this fresh start with Jesus in your life, as this new year comes along, that we do make fresh starts and we are encouraged because even though we might never be perfect, and hopefully God doesn't make us wander in the wilderness until we die. but The example that we set and the places we take our kids matter and they will make a difference from here on out. Even though we might not be perfect, we might make mistakes, we might not get all the way there. We can make a difference for our family and I I encourage us as we start this new year to start with a fresh start. And let God continue to renew us, continue to change us, and take out our stony heart and make it a heart of flesh. And as I as I wrap this up, I want to read one more scripture. And as I said, there are a lot of scriptures in the New Testament, especially about about new starts and and God making us new creatures and and the very act of what we talk about with us receiving. The, the new life and the Holy Ghost and being baptized is to be born again. Just that language. We, we take it for granted, but to be born again is a very fresh start. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Let us, as we start the year 2021, hallelujah, we made it through 2020. As we start 2021, let's refocus on making sure that God is giving us and we're taking advantage of this fresh start that he has given us. And encourage yourself that your decisions matter. They matter to your family. They matter to your friends. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you so much for coming to give us a new life, to make us born again. And we thank you for all that you have done for us and your encouragement and your direction day by day as we make this change. God, I ask that you help us, help us to see what needs to be changed and then change it And also to encourage ourselves that it's not just about us, but it is for future generations. We love you, and we want to serve you, and we want to follow in your ways. Help us until we meet again tomorrow night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great evening, and I love you all.